This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey everyone, this, uh, this is Patrick Donahoe, and thank you for, uh, for listening to the podcast this week. Now, I'm, I'm recording, this probably not going to be very long, uh, especially this kind of segment that I'm about to record right now, uh, but I'd, I'd like to kind of dedicate it toward uh, really where, where I'm recording this from. So for the last day and a half, I've been uh, on a, a very kind of unknown island by most, uh, unless you're from the, the south. But it's, uh, it's an island off the coast of Georgia called Jekyll Island. Now, uh, Jekyll Island is, uh, it really, in my, my opinion, is only famous for, uh, uh, for one thing, which is the meeting place of the key people that were involved in creating what we now know as uh, the Federal Reserve Bank, the Central Bank of the United States. And, you know, the group I'm here with is uh, kind of shares some of the, the same philosophy and sentiments that I do. Uh, it's Jason Hartman's uh, Venture Alliance Group, and uh, and so he, you know, Jason has got together some investors and business people, and so we go uh, somewhere every few months and uh, have meetings and have discussions and uh, and educate one another. And so we decided this time to come to uh, to Jekyll Island, and uh, it really is honestly, it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I mean, it's in the south, uh, the climate is beautiful, the beach is beautiful. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those places that yeah, you just don't know exists uh, on planet Earth. But uh, it's been really a joy. I've only been here for about a day and a half, and I have to leave tomorrow morning uh, because it's Mother's Day. So I need to be back to celebrate that with my uh, my wife and my mother-in-law, who's been staying with us. Uh, but you know, I I could not miss this uh, this opportunity. So what was interesting about this 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 you know this beautiful place? I mean, it's one of the most manicured little islands that I've ever I've ever seen. And uh, really, back in the day, I think it was owned by the the, the Morgan family, uh, but since it's owned by you know the state of state of Georgia, but the property and its you know little cottages uh, still still exists. Now it's more. I'm not sure if you can hear some of the screaming in the background, but now it's more of a uh, kind of a a destination type of wedding uh, wedding place. There's actually two weddings going on right now, so it's kind of getting crazy downstairs and out on the grounds. Uh, but really, this was, you know, you, you walk around the, the buildings and you uh, walk through the halls. And, you know, even though back during the time that the, the Federal Reserve was, was created, uh, the story goes that uh, the, the different players, uh, the individuals that actually, you know, kind of uh, uh, conspired and got together to, to come here and discuss forming a central bank in, uh, in the United States, they did so kind of under a cloak. Uh, of, uh, of identity and so none of them really used their their uh, their true names they used first names and uh, the staff that was going to attend to them was all uh, kind of put onto a uh, on, on forced vacation and brought in a new staff that couldn't really identify who they were and you know they came down here and and uh, essentially formed uh, formed kind of the, the initial idea and organization behind uh, the Federal Reserve Bank now for most people they may not uh, consider that uh, sig- significant, uh, and really, you look at the people that are walking around the grounds here, and uh, and you know even the the you know the the person I I uh, got a ride here uh, with the Uber driver, you know most people are just not really familiar with why a central bank is you know what the what the purpose is, uh, and if they do know what the purpose is, well first off, there are very few people that actually know what it is. Then what the purpose is. 
uh, and then really what you know the the true purpose is. So I'm not going to take a lot of time here on the porch. It's kind of late right now, uh, but really this this historical place they're not they're not uh, inconspicuous anymore. They're very conspicuous. I mean, in uh, I'll post some pictures on the show notes, uh, but in the in the Federal Reserve room that we actually met in this morning. Uh, they have pictures of uh, they had a picture of uh, Alan Greenspan and Ben Bernanke together. Uh, they you know have a big portrait right over the fireplace that has you know the initial key people uh, that actually uh, came down here. The Warburg family uh, was uh, was one of them, uh, and then you had uh, a few a few uh, politicians. So you had Nate, Senator uh, Nelson Aldrich. Uh, you had uh, a representative from the, was, I think he was like the Assistant Secretary of Treasury uh, the, at, at the time. But anyway, this, this group of about a half a dozen men, really they, they ultimately represented about a quarter of the world's wealth at, or a third of the world's wealth at the time. And, uh, and, and it's one of those, you know, one of those things where it doesn't seem significant to most people, uh, but for those that really are educated, it, it is. And so, as I said, these pictures are hanging around everywhere, and there's a room called the Federal Reserve Room. And really, if you want a, a, an in-depth, uh, historical, very well-documented uh, idea behind the Federal Reserve and why it was, uh, what, what, what the, the inception looked like, uh, you can read *The Creature from Jekyll Island* by G. Edward Griffin, uh, and it's a it's a really long read, but a very well written uh, document. And uh, G. Edward Griffin, Ed Griffin, goes into a lot of detail, documents everything, really shows all the historical proceedings, and uh, and it's fascinating. And you really look at you know our our modern society and how it's been impacted over the last hundred years because of this institution. Uh, it, it is it is significant. I think it affects everybody. Uh, but really just what's fascinating is the, this, this massive superpower that controls monetary policy and interest rates and really all banking, uh, banking structure is, you know, is just very misunderstood and very uh, kind of conspiracy-like or secretive-like. And I think really if more people understood how it all worked and who really is you know, controlling different money flows, then, uh, then I, I think it would be a lot more upset people than there, there really are. Uh, but anyway, it's been a been a great time. Really cool to actually come here and experience this. Uh, but uh, we're going to dedicate the rest of the podcast really talking about uh, monetary policy and talking about the role of the Federal Reserve as far as what we're told, and then also really kind of be behind the scenes and what uh, uh, the unintended consequences, I guess, or maybe even the intended intended consequences uh, of the Federal Reserve. So uh, with that being the case, I'm going to kind of uh, exit this part of uh, the podcasts. And uh, we'll uh, uh, continue on in the uh, in the studio. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to uh, this morning's episode of the Well Standard Radio. You're listening to episode 151, and we have a really cool topic today. So we're first gonna we're first gonna play a clip from uh, I was I was at uh, Jekyll Island, which was the the founding place of the Federal Reserve. So I was there. Uh, I was there last weekend, and I'm going to talk a little bit there. It was uh, kind of limited time. I was in and out, uh, but I did record a piece uh, for you there. So we're going to go ahead and play that, and then uh, my good friend uh, Ryan Lee is, uh, is here with me, and we're going to follow up with, uh, 
some more commentary on just the nature of a central bank, nature of the Federal Reserve, and why it is so significant to what's going on today in our modern economy. So I'm going to go ahead and cut to uh, my piece at Jekyll Island. Okay, so we're back. Now you're going to hear kind of some zen sounds in the background. We have, we're, Ryan and I are uh, in Charleston, South Carolina at a, uh, a conference and you know we have mosquitoes all over over us right now and so we there may be some slapping sounds you also got like some zen water sounds in the background so so don't uh hopefully you guys can uh, not be distracted by that but anyway ryan this is you know this is a podcast that i've talked to you about doing for for a little bit and the main main reason was because you had just barely finished the creature from jekyll island which is you know one of the the many books that uh that talks about the federal reserve and you know its inception and the history behind it and so forth um, so, you know, what are maybe some of your general thoughts? So, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, gave an introduction to, you know, our modern economy and, and the Federal Reserve and its role there. I mean, there's a lot of different views out there, but when you read that one book, what did you, what were some of the, some of the things you walked away with? Yeah, man, that, gosh, that's a hard place, hard thing to really just pin down. But, uh, you know, a couple, a couple months ago, we were out on the, uh, the real estate guys cruise. And G. Edward Griffin, the author of Creature from Jekyll Island, was there. And he wasn't there as a speaker. He was there as an attendee. But uh, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, someone who I've looked up to for years, was there. And uh, he talked about the, you know, the three most influential books that he had ever read. One of those was The Creature from Jekyll Island. And that's always been on my list to read. If you've ever seen a copy of Creature from Jekyll Island, it's about as thick as the Bible. So you got to really <laughs> is, sit down huge. with the dedication and read that thing. But the um, audiobook is like 20, 24, or it's like forty-two hours. Something yeah. Like that. So yeah. And so I, I mean, I always, I always felt like I had a good understanding of what the Federal Reserve was, and it, it disheartened me. Uh, but after hearing all these people and meeting the author, I, I resolved to read it and to fully understand why we have the Federal Reserve, what it's, what you know, what it's there for, what it's used how it's used, all of that type of stuff. And honestly, I think reading that book, it opened my eyes larger than they've ever been opened before and uh, helped me truly understand the dire nature of the monetary system that we operate under. And knowing that... Okay, we, we, had, to, we had to do a hard stop there. <laughs> we were getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. So we, we found, thanks to the, the Charleston uh, Hotel, a little publicity for them, but... We uh, we got a little private room. <laughs> anyway, all right. So Ryan, you're you're going through your history with uh, uh, meeting Geo Griffin, and and you know obviously being exposed to his book through that meeting, and some things started to come to light that you know you didn't you didn't previously know. You knew you know generally speaking what the Fed was and so forth, but now you start to have a deeper knowledge based on reading the book. Yeah. So I, I think what it all comes down to for me is is you know a lot of people say ignorance is bliss, and that is a dangerous method to operate your finances under. And I think, by and large, the American public is ignorant to the monetary system that they use, that they depend on, and that all of their future retirement dreams are, are attached to. So for me, the biggest thing, uh, understanding the Federal Reserve, is understanding how the monetary system works. And that gives me control to make decisions. Whether yep. they're the same decisions or different decisions, I don't do it ignorantly anymore. Yep. That's a great point, because you know, I always use the, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the quote um, by one of the, the founding kind of economists of, you know, our, our, our type of economy, Keynesian economy, was the John Maynard Keynes. And he said that there's not one man in a million that understand how banking works. Now, that's paraphrasing, but basically he said there's nobody out there that really understands exactly how banks work. 
right? Now that's just general banking. Now you get into fractional reserve banking, you get into the purpose of the Federal Reserve, and there are not many people that, that understand or even know kind of the basics to even have a conversation about it. Uh, and that's how I was. I, mean, I, I, I went through formal schooling, so did you. I mean, you had more schooling than I did, graduate schooling, and but yet there weren't really those uh, those topics or those ideas that were discussed, even though they're paramount to the function of our modern economy. So as you read, as you read through the creature from Jekyll Island, as you learn more, what were maybe some of the 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 bullet points of of things that you didn't previously know that now you were learning through through this book? Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good question. There, um, what what I would say is that that the government plays on our ignorance, and when I say the government, that might be a blanketing statement, but those who control the monetary system mm-hmm. play on the ignorance of the American public. That mm-hmm. was first and foremost, that the Federal Reserve was consciously set up, deliberately set up, and deliberately operated mm-hmm. with very specific means and purposes yeah. today. Yeah. So that ignorance was number one. Number two, and this just astounded me, but if every loan were repaid out there today, because the, our, our monetary system is all fiat currency, right? It, it's not backed by anything mm-hmm. uh, other than the, the faith of, you know, each individual that someone's going to stand behind that loan and pay it off at some the, some the, future date. Yeah, right? the government loan. The government loan, right? But at the end of the day, if every loan was paid off, money would cease to exist yeah. entirely. Yeah. Not not. I mean, money would cease to exist entirely if yeah. every loan was paid off, and that that floored me yeah. because the loans that 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 most people take out, including the government, are consumer loans. They're yeah. they're not for any productive, yeah. you know, value added service yeah. from a monetary standpoint. Mm-hmm. And if every loan were paid off, money would would cease to exist. Yep. So let's go. Maybe let's. I'm gonna take a step back and go through just some basics. So those that are listening just are not. They just don't know what the heck we're talking about. And I want to go and cover cover some basics, and then I want to dive into you know the some of the reasons why our economy is in the state in which it's in today, and why we're consistently pushing for inflation, pushing for growth, uh, and I think that's that's going to help. So basically, you know, the, the, the purpose of, of a central bank, how most people are taught, is that it's a, it's a lender of last resort. Okay, now the reason why it's a lender of last resort is because uh, banks are not required to, uh, to have 100% of the lo- loans that they have outstanding in capital. So what I mean is that if you, you know, you plus all your neighbors put a million dollars into a bank, okay, then those are deposits that you you want to go withdraw when you need it. You want to pay your bills. You want to go on vacation. You want to buy a couch. Whatever. Okay, that part of the million dollars is yours, and so you want to go in and, and withdraw and deposit and withdraw and deposit as at will. But the banks are not required to keep 100% of that. They're typically you know required to keep you know roughly uh, 10 10% of it, sometimes less. So what that means is that they can take $900,000 of that million and then lend have that lent out. Okay, and I'm not going to get into you know m- more than that, but the thing is, the reason why a lender of last resort, from what they've said, is required, is because what if all million people wanted their money back? Okay, or all you know the people that had the million dollars, what if they wanted all their money back? Right, they, they go to the bank, and the bank's like, well, you know, nine hundred thousand dollars is in this guy's you know mortgage, this guy's credit card, this guy's automobile loan. I don't have, I don't have, we don't have, we can't give you your money back. Okay, so right there, it's you know, it's the reason why the Federal Reserve or a central bank in general um, has has been created in the past. Because what the Federal Reserve can do is literally uh, print money out of thin air, or you know, essentially be the backstop for that that uh, deficiency, right? So if the nine hundred thousand dollars is outstanding and people come to claim their million, right, the Federal Reserve would essentially step in and make that make that happen, right? But the Federal Reserve has made has had tons and tons of revisions. 
Okay, it's been changed all over the, the course of time. But essentially, that's the basic principle as to why, why they were first created, at least what we've been told. Okay, now let's kind of go to the, the more, um, you know, the, the, the pessimistic standpoint, right, or the, the skeptic standpoint, or the, you know, even borderline conspiracy theorist standpoint, which is why they were created. So Jekyll Island, the reason why that's significant is because that's where, you know, pretty much the world's bankers and the world's uh, influencers as far as finances were concerned uh, got together and said, listen, you know, we had a scare in 1907 because of the banking crisis that existed then. We didn't have a central bank. If we had a central bank, then, you know, that, that scare uh, wouldn't happen again. Okay, so that's kind of what we're, we've, we're taught from the surface. But being taught from, you know, really the, the reasoning behind who was there and why they were there. Number one, they went under kind of a cloak. You know, they, they went to this island uh, under, you know, false names. They went by their first names. Uh, all of the staff that were usually there uh, were removed and they brought in brand new staff who had no idea who these guys were. Uh, and so they all got, they all came to Jekyll Island, the, the club, and they, you know, spent days upon days discussing how they were going to institute the central bank. Now, from that type of perspective, what's the interest that those families have? Like, what's the interest that, you know, the, uh, the Chase family, you know, the Morgan family, the Rothschild family, like, uh, I can't remember some of the other names. I mean, there's lots of stuff going through my mind right now. But it, it's, you know, more of, you know, the, those, you know, f those founders of, of the Federal Reserve. Like, what interest or what self-interest did they have? Because they have to be doing it for, you know, they're doing it for one reason, but there could be another reason. Right. And so the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, basically the Federal Reserve has the authority to create, you know, money out of thin air. OK, they can essentially say, you know, the government, if the government needs, you know, they have deficit spending of a trillion dollars per year. OK, now the trillion dollars is created in a bond or a treasury by the by the government. And then that's sold to the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve just creates a trillion dollars out of nowhere. Right. So that's the kind of the first thing that comes to my mind as far as, you know, why they would want to do that is because it's an immense amount of power. Yeah. OK. To create that type of currency or that type of uh, money out of out of thin air. What are some of the other you know reasons or what are some of the comments based on what I've been saying? Well, you know, I think that those are really good points that you're bringing up. There was a lot of discussion in the book around what tremendous power the Federal Reserve gave the governments. Right. It's not only low, low, you know, not only the federal government. But now as it's been expanded out further all across the world, is they can now the governments can now create money without taxation. Taxation is never a popular thing. I mean, that has mm -hmm. literally caused wars. I mean, that's one of the things that we're here in mm -hmm. South Carolina. It's a lot of history here, but it was the history of seceding from the Union yep. for various levels of control, including taxation. Yep. And so now if the government has the ability to literally create money without increasing taxation, we have to go back and really understand what a tax is. And I think, you know, G. Edward Griffin does an excellent job of, of talking about that in his book, that a tax is more than just money coming out of your pocket. It's mm -hmm. the purchasing power of the money that you have left in your pocket. Yep. And that's, that, that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. If the government can create money out of thin air without asking you and me to vote for it, mm -hmm. then the value of the dollars that we're left with go down. Yeah. And so it's a whole inflation. It's taxation and taxation without, you know, representation. representation. Yeah, and that's one of the hardest, you know, they call it the hidden tax, yeah. you know, inflation. But the idea is still, it's for most people, you know, those that don't understand necessarily the depths of financial terminology, right? It's hard for them to understand what, what inflation is. They experience it, but they don't really understand what it is. And once they understand what it is, now it's how it was created is the next layer. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult to get to as well.
But you got to remember, you know, you you look at you know how the Federal Reserve is is able to do what they're able to do, right? It's because of a law, right? The Federal Reserve Act uh, that was passed in 1913. 1913. But it's interesting if you really look at it. The other side of it is why you know the the purpose behind the income, the federal income tax, or the personal income tax uh, created in the same year, right? Because you look at the end of the day, you know what? Why do people uh, have? You know, why would people buy a U.S. Treasury? Why would they buy? Uh, a U.S. bond, right? Not necessarily, you know, foreign governments, uh, but why would it, because individuals can do it, yeah. do it as well. why would they do that? Why would they go, why would they purchase that, right? Because a government bond is a debt, right? And most, you know, even even people today, very intelligent people, when you, you hear the terminology on the news, deficit, deficit spending, right? We've heard that over and over again. There's very few people that can actually uh, explain what that is, right? How is the government able to increase its its debt, right? If they're spending a trillion dollars a year more than they're they're bringing in in tax revenue, how are they able to do that? Where does that where does that money come from? If they're only collecting you know a certain amount of money, where are they getting the rest? Right, right. And it's because they're able to go into debt, right? Just like you and I, you know, let's say we had a bill, right, and we couldn't, we had no money in our bank account, we can go get a loan from somebody and doing do that. But where's the 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 government going to get their loan from? Right, they get it from the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve says, okay, you need a trillion dollars of of deficit spending. Okay, we're going to give you a trillion dollars. Okay, and we're going to basically exchange it for the bonds, yep. right? The government treasuries. Now a trillion dollars goes to the government, and what do they do? They go out and spend it, right? They spend it on projects. They spend it on research. I mean, there's some, you know, crazy stuff if you really look at, you know, some of the add-ons to certain spending bills, right? You have like, you know, the study of, you know, how to how to shave sheep in in half the time or some crap like that, right? They just have ridiculous type of, you know, they have type of pork spending where where, you know, they they just spend money on ridiculous things, but that essentially goes into the economy and gets distributed through the economy. And the more money that's in the economy, right, that is where you start to get inflation, right? right? Because if you look at, you know, more money chasing the same amount of things, okay, now you have an increase in, in demand, right? So if you have more money, it's going to be, those things are going to be more in, in demand, right? So it's basically going to bid up the price of whatever the goods are, right? So if you have more money chasing the same amount of goods, it is going to increase demand and that demand increases prices. And that's why they're, you know, they're always trying to go after that two to three percent uh, inflation, which always trying to create rise out of that. But it's artificial, right? And three percent, you know, one year is one thing, but three percent compounded year after year after year after year, right, becomes a lot. And before you know it, your dollar doesn't buy anything, right? Right, And it's destructive. And even here, when we were in Charleston, you know, we've, we were going by, you know, some super historic homes. And, you know, you look at like what they were spending back back in the day and the equivalent today is un- is unbelievable. Right. Right. It's almost and incalculable. It's incalculable. And especially because of the nature of compound interest, because 3% this year in, in inflation or increase, right, now you have 3% the next year, the three percent the next year includes the three percent from this year, so the idea behind inflation, most people really don't understand it until it's until it's too late. Well, I think that's the biggest thing right there that I got from reading that book is you have to be educated, you have to be in a position of control because with that control, you have the ability to make choices, right? Right? No, even if you make the same choice, you're not making it blindly. You're not you're not part of the system. Mm-hmm. You're independently choosing to participate in yep. the system, whatever yep. that is. And you know the the hardest part about that is when, you know, if the if the Federal Reserve is operated and and played off of the ignorance of the masses, mm-hmm. 
then when people do start to wake up, right, when people, at, at, you know, in the majority start to understand how the monetary system works, it's going to be too late to make mm-hmm. any different choices because yep. this money doesn't truly yep. exist. It's it's digital, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's created out of these bonds and these loans and future mm-hmm. obligations, and yep. eventually we have to pay the piper. Yep. And things have to be, I mean, things have to come back to a, a settling point. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's like, you know, the government goes into a trillion dollars a year of, of debt year after year after year, yeah. right? And people don't realize that money, right? It's a it's a debt, right? Right, right now they struggle to pay the interest right. on the debt, okay? Let alone principal, right? And that's where you know you hear kicking the can down the road, putting debt on our kids' shoulders. Right? Most people like hear it, and but they don't understand how to explain it. Right. And once they start to explain, once they start to explain it, they don't know what the heck it is. That's when you go into research mode. But research mode will help you discover that I mean it's a vicious cycle, and who knows how it's going to end. And, you know, the thing is with, you know, you've, you've read this book recently, I and mean, I, read, I read it years and years ago and really got into the whole monetary system and how the Federal Reserve works. And I, for a period of time, I was really frustrated, right? And it's because, you know, the, you have all these issues going on. Hardly anybody is aware of them. And we've had, man, we've had so many discussions on this podcast about the Federal Reserve throughout the years. And maybe we'll reference those on, in the show notes. But the idea in, in the end is so few people know about it. And the more you know about it, the more negative you get. And the more negative you get, the, the less you want to do. So that's where I kind of stepped back a few, stepped back a few, uh, a few years ago. And it really was because of Kiyosaki. And Kiyosaki, uh, this was 2012 or 13, when uh, Gio Griffin was on the cruise the first time, the real estate guy's cruise. And Kiyosaki said something really interesting. And he said, listen, you know, Ron Paul has his end the Fed campaign. Right, and everybody wants to, you know, audit them. And he's like, "Listen, you're, you're not going to be able to make a big difference." And Ron Paul spent his whole life trying to do it, and almost kind of got to it at the end, but, you know, didn't didn't really pierce that that veil, that that veil of secrecy or privacy. And so the idea is, you know, he said, "We're not going to be able to end the Fed, right? So you need to work within the system and and be the Fed." And that's when he really taught that principle of go out and be valuable. And be able to get some of that, you know, money that is being exchanged for your value. So in the end, you know, you look at the Federal Reserve System, you look at the history about, you know, Jekyll Island, and it's powerful, right? Because it's it's the foundation of our, our modern economy. Uh, but in the end, I think the more you know, the more you realize what uh, the future, a semblance of what the future is going to bring, right? Because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But if you go through and look at history and what happens because of artificial stimulation, Okay, you know what the end result is going to be. And that's where, you know, we've talked, you know, at nauseum over the years about the Austrian business cycle. And it's exactly what the Austrian, and, and you know, and the Austrian, this is early 19, 1900s leading into the Great Depression, leading into, uh, you know, the World, you know, World War II. And they've been, they talked about it over and over and over and over and over again. And, but yet nobody really paid attention to them. And so the idea behind the Austrian business cycle is, you know, you have a central bank. Right, they creates money out of thin air. They stimulate the economy artificially, and it creates so much money out there. And people start to make malinvestment. They start to make bad investments, and one bad investment after another, after another, another brings the whole house of cards down. And that's what happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Right now, so what? You know, I'll ask you the question: Like, what do you see in the economy of people making um, decisions, making malinvestment? because of how much money is out there. Well, I think it goes back to something you just hit on earlier, and I think this is the fundamental crux of everything that this book, for me, was all about. It's about knowledge, 
right? Without the lack of appropriate and, and not appropriate, but right knowledge, fundamental knowledge, you're doomed to make the same mistakes over and over and over. Because in 2008, we didn't truly learn the lessons that we needed to learn as evidenced by what is happening right now. Yep. Some of the same things are happening over and over and over yeah. again, and the bubble and the balloon is just getting inflated bigger and bigger. Yeah. So understanding, and, and this I love that about Kiyosaki as well, understanding how things work gives you power, yep. and how you wield and choose to use that power is up to you. right? You can be a conspiracy theorist and dig a hole in your backyard and, and you know be scared of everything, yep. or you can use that power and that knowledge to put you in a better position. Yep. Scout motto, yeah. be prepared, be right? Prepared. No matter what comes your way. I have yeah. no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, but when I understand the, the nature or the rules of the game that yeah. I'm playing in, I can be prepared, and yeah. I can ha- I can cover angle two, three, and four yeah. and try to make the best decision today. And, and so to your point, I don't think, by and large, the American people know, and many of the people in power, I don't think they truly know how the monetary system works, right? Mm-hmm. If I take out a bond and I say it's the government dead, we're really good at pointing fingers and saying the government is they. Yeah. The government is us. Yeah. The government is me. Yeah. Taxes, that, that debt is my debt. We're responsible We're for We're responsible back. for that. So, I mean, until we can call a spade a spade yeah. and know how to operate and play the game, I mean, I think these bubbles and these, these issues that we're having yeah. are going to be more more impactful, larger, until we truly kind of hit the bottom and, learn, and learn, learn the lessons we need to learn. Because the Federal Reserve, yeah. it's not a new thing. This is not a new idea. It's been around for hundreds of years. Yep. In fact, it's the the Federal Reserve, if I'm not mistaken, that was created in 1913. That's the fourth try yeah. within the U.S. alone to create one. To create one, yep. and all three of them before failed. Yeah, because they've had central banks in Europe. Yeah. Right, and so then they're trying to bring that same model because the power they gave those they kind of operated those central you know institutions there. Um, but in the end, I mean, I think you know, hist- it's one of those those quotes about history, right? If you don't learn history, it's good to do and repeat itself. Yeah. So the the idea behind you know the history of what central banks have caused is going to cause it again. Don't know, it's, the timing is hard to tell, but it does the same thing over and over, right? In two thousand seven, you saw signs, right? You saw people buying homes they shouldn't they shouldn't buy, right? People going into debt, whether it's cars or toys or whatever, and they just kept going over and over and over and over. I, I see signs of that today, right? I see signs of people buying too much house. Too much car, too much toys. Um, you know, I you know, and this is this is being you know open with people. I mean, I had a I had a client that I think we're gonna fire, right? And it's because he he wanted to take out a pol you know a policy loan to finish his basement, but he told me he couldn't you know he couldn't afford uh, the payments, right? And you know, it's one of those signs where and he doesn't care, right? He doesn't care. He's like, well, I can make it up in the future or whatever. He's a younger younger guy. People don't realize like when you go into debt to pay for something you can't afford, right? That is a sign that there is, there's a bubble. There's access to credit people have where they're buying things or refinishing their basement, they're buying a car, they're, you know, whatever they're gonna do, going into debt to do it is never going to end well, yeah. right? And the, the sign is, it's been, I mean, 2008, it may seem like a long time for some people, right? But it was just, you know, very recent and it's happening again. Yeah. And that malinvestment Right is going to come home to roost because people are making investments in things that don't yield much, but they're taking tons of risk to do it. And once they start piling in more and more, that's why we have a bond bubble right now. It's because the prices get pushed, get keep pushing up and up and up and up and up, right? Because nobody knows where to put their money. They don't want to keep it in a bank because it doesn't earn anything. So the idea is that malinvestment, right? There's risk to it, and people's livelihood is at stake when those. Uh, risks start to bear themselves, and it's unfortunate. But 
you know, it, that's one of the signs in the future that is most likely going to occur is another correction. Corrections always uh, wipe out that uh, that mal malinvestment if they're if they're allowed to do so, right? And yeah. I think that's been the problem is they haven't truly been allowed to do so. I mean, you know, we talk about these banks that are too big to fail, right? I mean, that that there's a lot of there's a lot of true strategy going on in the types of in the monetary system that we're in, and, and the people who understand the monetary system are making a killing off of it, yep. right? Banks are lending money to the governments yeah. in trillions of dollars yeah. knowing that the loans will never be repaid yeah. but they've got an interest stream coming in and that yeah. the government's going to stand behind it and they'll just yeah. restructure the loans and yeah. they'll pay you know just shift that kick that count further and further down the road yeah. so i mean i think and in g edward griffin in, in his book man you go a mile deep and by the time i came back up to the surface i was you know kind of gasping for air because yeah. man it, it is it's scary to see when you truly see all the cards laid on the table to see what's what it truly is yeah the power that it has and the utter influence that it has it, it, throughout the entire world. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of just bringing that full circle for me is what's, what I feel like we do at Paradigm Life is we, we value education and we mm -hmm. teach people how to, and we're not telling you to go dig a hole in your backyard and to mm -hmm. take all your money out of the banking system. That's not truly what we're telling you to do. What we're telling you to do is you need to operate your financial system with education and mm -hmm. with, a sound, with a sound foundation. Yep. And we teach people the principles of independent banking. Mm -hmm. And just because you have the ability to take a policy loan doesn't mean you should. Yep. Spider-Man quote, right? Yeah. With great power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Yep. You have to treat your personal bank with a great amount of responsibility. And yep. because the banking system today has not been treated with a great amount of responsibility, because it's so easy to say it's not my problem, it's now yours, mm -hmm. which is the government and you know all of our problem, it's easy to make really poor decisions for the short-term gain for a long-term detriment. So all of that being said, I mean, read the book. I mean, it was amazing. It was it was hard to get through in some points, but it, it truly opened your eyes, my eyes. Mm -hmm. And by having your eyes open, you now get to interact with the world that we live in yeah. consciously as opposed to unconscious. We're yeah. not in the matrix anymore. You now know what's going on. Yeah, and, the, and, that's, and that's the biggest point is there's so many decisions you make based on everything you know. Yeah. And when you have new information, more information, you're going to make uh, better decisions, yep. diff different decisions. Yep. You're going to see things differently. Uh, but right now, I mean, there's still a lot of people that are kind of in that matrix, if you will, and they make decisions based on what they think is, is customary, what they think is normal. And having this knowledge helps them see differently. And that's what the, the power of what we do is not just education, it's financial products that also have, you know, a like have principles behind them, have values behind them. And they, they sit in this area where it would remove a lot of the risk that people are taking, not even aware, not even aware that they're taking it, yeah. right? Because money in the market right now, if you look at the bidding up of securities, it's not, and the and it's not just that, but it's also the valuations of companies, right? Companies are more valuable because of debt, right? Because if a person have access, has access to credit, they have access to uh, a home equity line of credit, or they have access to a student loan, or they have access to a business loan, right, or a personal loan, or payday lending, right? Now they have more money to buy stuff. And when they buy stuff, companies are more profitable. When they're more profitable, their stock goes up, right? So you not only have people's ability to have more money, okay, that is basically able to be invested, you also have things that they're investing in, that the values of those investments are being pushed up because of so much money that's circulating. And it's all artificial. I mean, it just goes back to it's I know. What, what is real and what is not. It's yep. artificial. Yep. You know, if the money doesn't exist, then the whole thing is really predicated and built on a house of, of cards. Yeah. Yeah, and so you look at you know you look at where everyone's at right now, and 
it's I understand I mean I understand what's going on and I'm looking there's a lot of things I think are going to happen whether it's uh, housing crashes whether it's private equity that owns real estate that will probably have to unload when some of their margin calls happen uh, you know you look at uh, again a housing crisis where people are buying way too much home right and suddenly there's layoffs suddenly the companies don't have access to the credit that they once did uh, or they're not able to expand as much as they once did you know you go back to 2008 2009 I continue to to see over and over and over and over again these companies were saying, listen, we didn't have to employ those people, right? But it was easier to employ them to then to fire them and operate efficiently because they had access to so much credit, their earnings were up. But then what happened? They started laying off everybody because they started to realize that they had way too many people employed, right? And they could have done things different with technology. They could have, you know, used technology instead of people, right? A lot of that stuff is going to happen again. And what are people going to wind up with? Okay, they're going to wind up with no job or a less paying job. And if they have a less paying job, they're not going to be able to service their debt. Then they're going to have to sell assets or have to go bankrupt. I mean, the whole cycle, right, is in such a fragile state right now that so many things can happen, but something is going to happen. Plus the demographic shift that's going to happen. All of the, There's so many things in operation, in motion right now, based on an uh, irrational system that is all it's kind of smoke and mirrors because of where it started, which is ultimately the ability of the Federal Reserve to make stimulation through low interest rates, through increasing reserves, through doing bond buying, uh, through, you know, whether it's uh, TARP uh, or Operation uh, Twist or QE, whatever their freaking programs are called, right? Regardless of what it is, it's or doing negative the, interest rates right? coming soon to yeah. a, a country near you, maybe. Yeah, and that's, maybe we'll have another question there, because a lot of people don't know what, they think that negative interest rates are just like, you, there are people going to pay you to, to uh, to take loans, and that's not a, that's not the negative interest rates they're talking about. It's basically bidding up prices of bonds, right. right? That have a certain face value and a certain interest rate attached to it, so that you know, you're bidding up the price of bonds. You own the bond, but the cash flow you're getting on it is negative. Well, it just goes back to who's truly this creature at Jekyll Island, right? I mean, that's where it all goes back. Yep. It, it doesn't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office, yep. right? It, it doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican. Yep. As long as the Federal Reserve controls the monetary system the way that they do. Yep. They dictate the policies, they dictate the actions of the government, yep. and they, they ultimately control our lives unless you understand how yep. the system is working. Yep. And I will say this, I'm hoping it happens soon, because what was really cool is that during kind of 2008, 2009, 2010, when Ron Paul, I think I credit him with, you know, really the reason why so many more people became aware of it, this go-around, um, I think people are going to know who to blame. Yeah. Right? They're going to know who the culprit is, they're not going to know why. Right, but they're going to know that wow, Ron Paul said this, or you know, this person said this, and and suddenly those things are going to come back, and they're going to be able to place the blame on somebody because they need a scapegoat. They need to blame somebody. Hopefully, they do that, but hopefully, they do the right thing once you know once all this chaos starts to hit. Well, you know, and this this is not a political podcast by any stretch of the imagination, and and not not am I, and not, this comment isn't me supporting a political candidate, yeah. but uh, you know, what's his name, Trump? Yeah said something pretty interesting, what, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, a month ago or yeah. so, and he said that we should default on the debt. Yeah. We can't pay it. Yeah. So we should just default on the debt because it's one of two choices. We can yeah. just blow up this bubble bigger, yeah. right, buy more bonds, create more money, yep. and shift the liability to future generations, or we should just blow it up and start clean, yep. right? And not a, you know, that's not a politically expedient thing to say. No, but that the thing is, it's he, the reality. he understands reality. Because he's been in business right? and he's been down that road. Exactly. And people are like, well, I can't, how can we default? And it's like, yeah, 
default. Right. How, can, how can we default? We can default by not paying. Right. Yeah, that's how you default. Right. Well, then the whole world's gonna. It's gonna come down anyway. Right. <laughs> right. It's like it's not that it's gonna. It's not gonna be like better if we keep doing the same thing. It's gonna be worse. Right? It's gonna be worse. Yeah. So why don't we just cut cut the losses? Yeah. Right. People don't real, realize that, which is funny. Not that we're supporting them. I mean, but you know, Kiyosaki did say on the cruise he was like. You know, Trump, he's like, I don't even know what he's, I don't know what he's thinking, right? It's a train wreck waiting to happen. Why would you want to be, why do you want to be the conductor of a train wreck that's <laughs> yeah. like going off a cliff, yeah. right? But it's interesting, you know, I, I think his, his knowledge, I mean, he understands bankruptcy law, yeah. right? He understands that. He understands negotiating debt and we could totally do that. Now, it's going to put a ripple effect through the entire world. Mm-hmm. Who knows if it's going to be, you know, catastrophic to the point where it's not, you know, we're able to recover. Um, but you know who knows time time will tell but here's what I'm gonna say to everyone that's that's listening listen you have to you have to know what's going on right because you're not gonna be able to predict the exact time you're not gonna be able to predict exactly what's gonna happen right but when it does happen you'll have a knowledge of what to do you'll be connected with people that know what to do and that right there I think is the best best that you can do in positioning assets uh, positioning investments uh, positioning where your money is positioning where your profession is Okay, is vitally important in the next, I'd say, five years. Okay, because that is really where uh, I think the, the the next kind of wave, if you will, is going to be coming from the next five. So whatever's going to happen in the next five years. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Good points, man. Good points. And you know, on that cruise, we talked a lot more about just you know, it's not just money. It's not just positioning your money. It's it's being prepared on all fronts. You know, there's a lot of proponents out there for having, you know, gold as a form of currency yeah. or there's proponents of people having food storage or guns and ammo I mean it's yeah. just it's just being prepared because as you said we don't know what what's going to happen is it going to go this way or that way yep. but when you know how the game's played you can start to anticipate contingencies and you can start to anticipate if they do this I need to have this or yep. if this happens here I need to be prepared this way yep. as opposed to being a victim yeah. because right now the way it stands I think most people will be victims and by the yeah. time you do realize it's too late yep. no it is and that, and that's where you know, it's it's hard to it's hard sometimes for us, right? Because we see people and we see kind of the situation that they're in, and you know, to get person from point A to point B, you know, it's a it's a big it's a big shift, right? And that's why we do so much online with education, so that people can go through that kind of you know non attached, non emotional education, basically saying, listen, your baby's ugly, sorry, right? <laughs> and and then not get offended, yeah, and then basically make the decisions to you know to move forward. So anyway. Well, dude, we gotta get to dinner. So, but it was awesome to have you on. We have to do another follow up to this. There's another guy too. His name's uh, Matt Kirkhoff, and I'm gonna have Matt because so he's on Rich Dad a lot. But he he has a whole totally different opinion to the or perspective on the Federal Reserve. Awesome, right? And and I and I agree with a lot of what he says. Um, but at the same time, it comes back to more of like a moral argument because he's like, well, look how much money's going into tech. Look at how much money's going into you know all these new patents and discoveries and businesses that are being started. I'm like, I know. Right, and it's and I agree that could be good. You know, that could spark you know this solar revolution, or it could spark this energy revolution, or a nanotech, or a biotech, whatever to cure cancer. I get it, but it's the moral principle of who controls it, who controls it, and what the cost is of yeah. getting to that. So anyway, all right, everyone, thank you for listening today. Sorry we got into this crazy topic of banking and and the Federal Reserve, but. You know, what else do you expect? <laughs> That's what we talk about all day long. So anyway, love. Uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.